1: Welcome to another edition of Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Recording as always in the Carl Chevrolet studios in Ankeny. We're approaching the end of the 2019 calendar year, which means that we will soon be getting our end of the year sales at Carl Chevrolet. For the folks on Facebook Live, they can see that Jeff, what do you just put the Cyclone Phonetic turnover chain? Doesn't fit. Halfway over his head. Basically, he made the Cyclone Phonetic logo into his nose. That's what adults do. Because that is... That's what adults do. What adults do, I guess. Uh, I ruined the ad read. Keep going. I mean, I'd, I was done, so okay. it's okay. End of the year sales coming up at Carl Chevrolet. as 2019 starts to wind down. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle, Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny, Carl Chevrolet of Stewart. I'd They're recommend places it. Places to do that. It's what I did. It's what Jeff Woody did. Love my Colorado. And if you want to be like Jeff Woody, you could put a plastic chain.
0: It has to get caught right around your nose and mouth area. Yeah, halfway over your face.
1: Or you could just go to Carl Chevrolet.
0: I'm trying to make things more fun because that game wasn't, like it didn't end as fun. Like, the episode's not going to be as quite as, like, uh, upbeat and peppy... Right. ...one would think.
1: We're going to have to have some... uh, I think we're going to have some come-to-Jesus moments today.
0: Of sorts. I I think there will be a few, and I think there's enough come-to-Jesus moments to go around, but I also think that they were, for the most part, fine. There was just a few plays here or there, both offensively and defensively, just got away from everybody.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I still... We can talk about more more about this in in a couple minutes, but uh, I think that there were some questionable play calling decisions. Specifically, one, the fact that they threw a school record number of passes, yep. was uh, was problematic mm-hmm. against one of the worst rush defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but like I said, we can we can come back to that here in just a few moments. Uh, I I just yeah. I don't think that that was very good.
0: No, that that was really my my necessarily main concern, like main question. Yeah, I, I would say because I I do think that there is um there's a uh, usually a, a default to one of two things: either coaches are idiots. Why are you doing this? You should have done this other thing in someone's reaction to a, a loss or a bad game. And then the other way of thinking is, you know what, these guys. They know what they're doing. They, 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 There's a reason for all of it. And I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle where they probably got carried away with something after kind of making a couple course corrections throughout that ended up not being correct. Right. So um, I think it's neither these guys are idiots. Why would they do that? But it's also not these guys totally meant to do that. And that was exactly what they had hoped happened.
1: Yeah, I think that, the, that Coach Campbell's uh, quote after the game was somewhat telling mm-hmm. uh, where he, I asked him if he had thought they were going to throw 60 passes or if he had ever anticipated throwing 60 passes uh, and he he said gosh I don't know if I go into any football game anticipating throwing 60 passes yeah so I don't know I don't know what got away from him there I don't know where where that really came from but we, c-
0: we can dig into that yeah. After the break.
1: We'll dig into that after a, a quick break here on Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Alright, welcome back to Football and Random Things on Cyclone Fanatic. Live now on Facebook Live. Hello to everyone on the Facebook Live stream.
0: On the Facebook Live stream, you probably just really caught off guard that that was one second. Yeah. It was a one second break.
1: Literally One second. Uh, Some breaking news here on Football and Random Things. Iowa State in Oklahoma in Norman. Yep. A 7 p.m. kick. Ooh. Spicey. It'll be on Big Fox.
0: So that's Gus. Yeah, I would
1: imagine that it's would Gus be and clap. Gus, and, Gus and Joel, yeah.
0: Nice. He's going to be screaming a lot. Because I think there's going to be a f- – I think it's a pretty balanced game. I don't really think either either team – uh, has much advantage. We, we, we can get into OU. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to We'll get into OU in a, in a bit. And we we can buy get into a week OU next, OU week, next week,
1: too. week, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's start with the offense. Um, Iowa State ended up with 468 yards of total offense on 88 plays mm-hmm. in the football game. The big number, the one that we briefly mentioned in our intro there, uh, Brock Purdy goes 39 for 62. 382 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions was also sacked two times. Correct.
0: One of them was the second play of the game. One of the sacks. I think it was the second play of the game. Yeah, something like that.
1: Uh, I I said this in the intro too. 62 passes ties a school record for pass attempts in a single game. uh, Previously held by Todd Bandauer in 1998 against Texas. Iowa State is now 0-2 in games in which they throw 60 or more passes. Shocking. Shocking
0: right, um so I, I think to start here again, to I'll kind of re I'll flesh out that idea of that I don't think this was a coaches are idiots, they don't know what they're doing, or hey coaches know what they're doing, they see something on film, and it, it it the combination in between is one of a couple things, but I think the, probably the primary driver is um, they got comfortable and they are comfortable with Brock Purdy making good decisions mm-hmm. and that is part number one. And so you can skew towards that in any, um, in anything. So like if you've ever, I, I have not personally done this, but I have been a catcher in baseball before. Um, but like if you have a kid's baseball team and you are like the one that's calling the pitches to the catcher who calls it to the pitcher. Right. And a kid has, you know, maybe he's 13, he has a good curveball, Um And even if it's working that day, you can, just by default you trust that he's going to put it in the right spot you're going to end up calling way too many curveballs over the course of the end by the time you get to the end of the game because you've thrown that many curveballs you haven't thought about oh my god we have I've already every third pitch is a curveball and so the comfort level that you would have under normal circumstances you Default in question to those comforts. And now that pitcher has had two Tommy John surgeries. Yeah, he's 13. So, like, there's you default too far to something you're comfortable with if you don't process the fact that you're doing it. So, I think the intention was probably to spread it out because Oklahoma State, they are, yes, they're a bad rush defense, but they also are a defense that blitzes all the time. Yeah. Like, they're the exact inverse of a team like Iowa, where Iowa is excessively super patient. Um, Baylor is the same way. Baylor and Iowa are the, probably the two most conservative defenses that Iowa State has seen. And Oklahoma State is, I think, by far the most aggressive defense that they have seen. And that aggressiveness when throwing is going to give you a lot of one on one matchups. And we've talked about how, um, you know, there's no real, there's no like one guy. Like, I think Charlie Kolar may be, quote, the guy. But really, if you cover up Charlie Kolar and you leave somebody else open, that other person's going to be even more dangerous than Kolar. Mm-hmm. So, They, I think they were looking like, okay, these guys bring a ton of pressure. They play a ton of, if it's zone, they're going to play, it turns into a matchup zone after that because they're going to bring so much pressure. So we're going to have opportunities uh, to get there and our offensive line has been playing better. We're fine if we end up throwing it, but then all of a sudden you get a quarter and a half and you just forget that you, not necessarily forget, but you lose track of how much you've actually done it. And then it starts to lose its advantage by the time you're in a position where like at the end of the game. They needed to throw. Mm-hmm. Well, they, Purdy had already attempted, what, 51 passes by right. the time he threw his first interception? Which, uh, 56. 56, excuse me. 56 passes by the time he had, uh, th- threw his first interception. That's like a game and a half in Iowa State's offense. Like, normally they're going to be in the 30 to, like, 20s, upper 20s sometimes, but say 30 to 40 is usually where right. Purdy's going to end up. He was at pass attempt number 56, and the situation was he needed to throw. Well, the dude's already done it. A, Thousand times. So by the time you needed to have that happen, it's not going to work. To go back to that curveball analogy, all right, you need to, you eventually need to start, you need to, to bases are loaded, you need to strike out the side. Okay, you need curveballs. You need to be able to bury something. And you, the kid's thrown it so much that his arm is fatigued. He doesn't have the same snap of what you normally would. So I think what the primary driver of throwing so many passes was losing. Track and losing that deliberate balance and just kind of defaulting to whatever's there and then shifting to something you're comfortable with, which is Brock Purdy. And I think the other thing is the pressure applied by Oklahoma State's offense early in the game um, is how, even even though the game was close, you saw how explosive they were and how little it ta- how little time it takes. So you kind of sort of get into this panic mode. It's what we saw opponents do against Iowa State with Hoyball, mm-hmm. and you know when you have four dudes that can shoot three-pointers and you get up 17 points in the first or before your you know before the under eight timeout in the first half all of a sudden the other team starts abandoning their game plan and starts hucking threes even when it's a team you know Baylor would usually not do this but let's say it's a team like I don't know when Oklahoma was really good or Oklahoma State was really good when they're normally not a Everybody shoots threes. It's going to be, you know, double ball screens to get it to Phil Forte, or they're going to be double, whatever. They're going to be really deliberate. They will get out of the deliberate offense to try and panic and play catch up when they had way more time. They were totally comfortable not having to do that. But they, because of the speed with which Oklahoma State scored, Iowa State, I think, felt a small incremental pressure that you have to score faster. And that incremental pressure pushed them into what they're normally comfortable with, which is Brock Purdy making good decisions. Well, those two things together, then all of a sudden you have the ball for 35 minutes and you only run it like twice. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just forget that you hadn't done that, even though you're either down by three or down by seven, it would make more sense to just run the ball. You'd already kind of defaulted to this other thing. So um, I I would honestly say that this is probably not... This, this will probably be the last time that that happens in the Campbell coaching era, at least for the next five years, as long as it's an even recent memory, Yeah. because you don't realize, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And they probably didn't know, you know, that I don't know that I speed on a certain road until I get a speeding ticket. And then the officer goes, yeah, it changes back to a 35 back over there. And you're like, you just don't even process that you've done it until you get the speeding ticket. Well, then every time you see that speed limit, you notice that speed limit because you've been burned by a thing that you did right so I I honestly think that it was the coaches losing track of something and defaulting to something they're comfortable with um and it just so happened that that ended up being Brock Purdy throwing the ball 62 times
1: well and it's like don't don't get me wrong Brock did not play terribly you know right like it took him 56 passes to throw one interception Mm -hmm. and then it just so happened that he threw two more in the next six passes Mm -hmm. so he threw you know three interceptions in his last seven but the thing that was that I thought was somewhat troubling was that it seemed like when they were coming back when they were able to finally tie the game you know you were using Brees Hall pretty effectively Mm -hmm. and he was running the ball really well Mm -hmm. and then you get the ball back with six minutes and whatever it is left on the clock Mm -hmm. where I don't know if it would have the accurate Play numbers on here, but uh, yeah, no, but
0: I'd I, be right around play number 77.
1: Well, I was gonna say on that the drive where they threw the interception, the pick six, yeah, uh, it seemed like they were in a position where it's 27 27, you've got about seven minutes left on the clock, you could go on one of those drives that.
0: It, an fu drive. Yeah, you yeah.
1: really grind out the clock, and it's like you're not going to give Oklahoma State the ball back until there's two minutes left on the clock, and you're going to go down and at least kick a field goal, mm-hmm. you know, and you're going to ride your the big horse, yeah, like who had been running the ball pretty well throughout the game, had already scored two touchdowns, mm-hmm. had been a big part of the reason that you were able to make your comeback, mm-hmm. and then instead you, I mean. It, I, I don't really remember exactly what the the play sequence was, but I think they threw back-to-back passes, and the second one was intercepted. I think that was the second play of the drive.
0: Well, and it, by that time, a lot of it had um, they've already started backing and throwing almost not ex- almost exclusively, but almost exclusively, where they were throwing a lot. Yeah. And the way Oklahoma State was playing the defense, they are playing a three-down. It's a super aggressive three-down. So that's they. I'd be
1: interested to know what percentage of plays they blitzed on. It's probably over 45. I would. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it's not over. 45 to 50.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they brought a ton of pressure and they brought it from all over the place. And Oklahoma State always has. Like with Mike Gundy, um, and we talked about it on the pregame show, as to you You kind of posed the question to Brent and I, um, why is a team like Oklahoma State such consistently bad defense? It's the same, and then Brent's response not to come back to Hoyball again, but like Brent's response was the same as why was Iowa State's defense bad with Hoyball? It's because you're going to default to something. And if you are a if you're a team like Oklahoma state who can score so fast, they essentially dare you to beat them in a boat race. Like I don't, you can't, you're not going to beat, you're not going to outscore us. Mm -hmm. You, we, if you want to take it to 70 to 65, we're going to be on 70, you'll be 65. And so in that they don't mind giving up points. Granted they, they do, but like giving up points is less of an issue when the risk reward is, go for broke to try and get a pick or get a fumble or whatever. And you saw that with how physical they were playing and the refs let them play. Like they were letting them play on both sides. So it's not really like a, those were terrible calls. Um, I thought the, while we're speaking officiating, I thought there was one, the only real like bad call I thought was Sean Shaw in the end zone was, I believe I felt was targeted because the defender, granted, the dude's six, six, and I think he was looking to make a play on the ball, but it was direct helmet-to-helmet to, helmet to contact and a defenseless receiver. Like, I thought that was a targeting call, but you can't get bailed out by a targeting call.
1: Matt Campbell wasn't impressed with the one on, on uh, Landon Acres. when yeah, the grabbed him on the, yeah, grabbed him on the shoulder pads and spun him around.
0: That was also pretty bad. Um, but in general, they, they didn't call a pass interference on Iowa State either. No. And so they were letting both teams play. Um, so it was consistent. And so if you're going to be bad, be consistently bad in one direction... See, um, it,
1: it helps you understand when you like when you talk about them playing defense that way. It helps you understand why they are capable of getting blown out and capable of blowing people out mm-hmm. the way that they can. Yeah, because if they're if that defense is working and you're getting interceptions, we saw it. You know, they had 186 yards. They ended up with 402 yards total offense. 186 yards of it was on three plays. Yep. And when you've got a team that's capable of doing things like that, mm-hmm. I mean. Think how quick it was. They're all of a sudden they're down twenty twenty one to ten, and yep. you're like, "Holy smokes! How did this happen?" Right. This yeah. this could get away from you real quick. And I mean, that's where we'll talk about the defense later. You got to give them credit for the fact that they were able to to, to keep to adjust yeah. and and do what they needed to do to keep them keep the team in the game. But uh, it to me, it just it felt like there was an opportunity to close out that game and really have like a big moment where you're down and you have had to battle all the way back against a team that I still think is good. I know Mm -hmm. they're, I mean, I know they're five and three, two and three in the big 12, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a good team. And Mm -hmm. for them to like get that opportunity where it's like, this could be kind of a seminal moment where it's like, we're going to grind it out and kick the crap out of these people and like prove like, this is who we are. Yeah. And you don't take advantage of that. Well, that I was think, disappointing. And
0: I think the staffs are probably the staff is probably kicking itself because they realize the same thing. Yeah. Um. You know, retrospectively, it's, it's probably shoot. We really, we should have run the ball a lot more. Yeah. Because uh, Johnny was seeing it actually pretty well too. And the few carries that Johnny got, Johnny was actually seeing it pretty well. Brees Hall had 18 carries for 76
1: yards, 4.2 yards per play, with the two touchdowns. Johnny had two carries for nine yards.
0: Yeah, so like he in the like I said, a couple carries he was playing. He saw it pretty well. Um, The yards per play average
1: brought down considerably by Brock's five carries for one yard. Dang
0: it, Brock! Um, Brock doesn't look right uh, to an extent. I I would agree. Um, But back to the point of uh, Oklahoma State playing go for broke style yeah um their defense the way that they played their defense was uh they they kind of had these like floater in in what i would consider their base defense to be because their base defense was actually a lot of just pressure like they were going to bring one of the linebackers or one of these outside guys so they had these three down linemen and they had these four linebackers but there was like two of them that were like this what I would consider just a straight up hybrid position. But essentially, it was two Mike Roses that were out there, where it's a guy that could move up and play defensive end, or he could float out and play uh, safety. So you have those guys, and they're playing sort of this like off like four yards out and four yards back, um, but their initial steps are in towards the run, and so that they were, I don't know, waiting to to contain Purdy if he ran outside. Uh, but they would also plus themselves into the blitz to make Purdy's decision making faster. So they were kind of just there uh, to fit into the run game and then fit underneath anything, um, which made it really weird to try and run against sometimes because w- the alignment that they had alignment that they had meant that they probably weren't involved in the count. And what I mean by the count is the line are going to say, "Hey, the mic is this guy or the ID is this guy," whatever terminology you want to say. And the center and the front side guard are going to say combination to the ID. And the backside guard is going to go to one past the ID to that side. So one linebacker and middle linebacker to your right is the centers. The one linebacker to your left is the guards. And then the defensive end is the tackles. The center has, you know, the center and the, the guard have the other linemen. And the front side tackle has that one. And the tight ends got one pla- one past on the front side. So it's one of the, outs- the kind of the floating outside linebackers. Uh, but not involved in that count is like one of the ones because they're far enough outside the box, they don't get counted, but they'd fuzz in. So like just kind of shuffle in. And so either they're going to plus themselves in the blitz or going to fit themselves in the run game, but they're also going to expose themselves to, to big chunk plays because they are so far out. If they do get blocked, if they do get involved in the count, that's where like that long breeze hall run to get them set up for the touchdown. Um, it was a touchdown. I think it was, on the, it was on the Oklahoma State sideline going towards the south end zone. I don't remember if it was set up for the touchdown or not. Um, but it actually was the touchdown. Excuse me. It was like that. So they just, it was plussed and they just, there was space to get there. Um,
1: the one where he got his shirt grabbed, that one? Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that one, they have like these floating guys that are sort of out there, but if you can get them blocked, then it's actually plenty of space because they're starting so wide off. So it's, again, it's that rolling the dice. They're going to dare you to do stuff. And if you're going to make a mistake, they're going to, take a, they're going to make you capitalize on a huge mistake. They're not, going to, they're not going to take like Iowa State wants you to incrementally play your way down the field. They're going to be like, all right, you can take 70, but we're going to get two interceptions today while you get two big touchdowns. Yeah. I dare you. And then we're going to turn those, those two turnovers that you have into touchdowns. And even though you drove it all the way down the field, you kick field goals, we're going to get interceptions and we're going to score touchdowns off them. So yeah, they're, they're comfortable in a boat race and they play defense like that.
1: Yeah, it's just i I agree with you. I don't think that they will make that mistake again, with the way that they were. Right. They they kind of tried to counteract that, but there were some positives. I think that you could take out of it. I mean, four hundred and sixty eight yards. Yeah, by no means was the offense good. was the offense bad. No, those three plays are really just what. And at the end, of the last one, I think you can cut Brock some slack because at that point, he's just trying to do make, something, make
0: something happen. Yeah, you There's know, about thirty seconds left or something on the clock. Yeah,
1: and uh. The second one, Charlie put on himself, which, I don't know, you know, Charlie's, a, he's, Charlie's as good as it gets, mm-hmm. at, especially in the— he, that dude's going to be a captain probably next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's the real deal. Uh, and it's hard to criticize a guy that had eight catches for 88 yards and a touchdown, and literally every time you needed a big catch,
0: and there were times you were throwing when, it to 88. And there was times when he just ripped the ball away from dudes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Okay, so that was the other thing that I was going to say— Okay, so Brock threw, didn't throw for his first interception until the 56th attempt. He had some ones earlier in the game that probably could have been, could have been intercepted. Yep. And that's what takes me back to what I was saying before about uh, he, he almost doesn't look right sometimes when he really gets that pressure coming at him. He mm-hmm. doesn't quite look like the same guy that he did before. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's something that teams have figured out that they can do something to him that'll fluster him a little bit but he gets into some of those situations and he just kind of chucks the ball up in the air and it's put him in some bad spots. Yeah.
0: And I think that he,
1: he's just been lucky that it hasn't gotten intercepted. Right.
0: And, and so there is, I, I do think that that's true. And I, I would say again, this is a very outsider's view of psychology. I think there's two things that are true with Purdy. One is that he, the dude wants to make a play. Like yeah. he's the in the Pat Mahomes, Brett Favre vibe. And granted, those dudes have legendary arms. Brock is good. It's not he doesn't have that kind of arm. I'm not equating that. But in that sense, that whenever or Aaron Rodgers, well, Aaron Rodgers will throw it away. So Mahomes and um, yeah, he, Brett Favre he arm, threw a touchdown while trying to do it last night. Yeah, it was impressive. Um, he
1: was not trying to throw that ball to no. that guy.
0: He was yeah. just trying to throw it in a spot where if someone's going to catch it, it's his guy, but likely no one's going to catch it. He's like, oh, nice.
1: I heard that. Touched I it. heard his interview after the game, and he kind of like, they asked him about that play, and he kind of just got this like little smile on his face. And it was like he wanted to be like, yeah, I wasn't trying to throw it to that guy. I was yeah. just trying to throw it away. But it's like, why, you know, yeah. I mean, if they're going to put it on you, you might as well just take I'll it. I'll take it. I'll take Yeah, it.
0: yeah. Uh, but anyway, so like he wants to score a touchdown in every play. He wants to get a first down in every play. Um, and so he'll do like that second interception. Um, I think it was the second one where he's trying, scrambling to his right and throwing across his body. Yeah, trying to throw it to Charlie. Yeah, and so like that one, it, it, that, it's an unnecessary risk. At that point, it, you know, it's a throw it out of bounds, just eat the ball. There is no sense in trying to, mm-hmm. to force something where it's not meant to, but he's so competitive that he wants to. And that's, again, the, the Brett Favre mentality. It's why the dude is, has an unbreakable record. No one will ever throw that many interceptions in a career again because they'll get the hook faster. Like, the only people that have that much freedom are like, Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady's too smart to Tom Brady's too smart. Drew Brees is too smart. Uh, too smart calculated. Yeah. Uh, and like Russell Wilson is in the same Drew Brees category where like they have enough faith in them that they're not going to do that. Like maybe someone like Philip Rivers, but right. still um, gosh, darn it. <laughs> gosh, darn it. You piece of stink. Dude trash talks about swearing. It's unreal. Um, but anyway, he... like So he wants to make plays all the time, but I think the other thing is he puts a lot of pressure on himself yeah. to make those plays. And so then when there is more pressure brought, there is more opportunity. Like, for sure, if you're bringing blitzes, you're bringing pressure, you are, by, in essence, exposing your defense more. If you could bring one guy and drop back 10, if that one guy was enough of a stud to, you know, get to a quarterback over five guys then that's the most safe defense that you have because there's 10 guys in coverage. So as you're doing, going in blitzing, obviously it's a ridiculous thing to do. No, one's ever going to rush one drop 10, but if you're going to rush four, that's a basic that's a v- rush three or four. It's a base defense. But as soon as you start rushing five or six, you're taking those, those other one or two people out of coverage. So the zones, the space in the field becomes bigger. So there is more opportunity. And so I think in those blitz pr- situations, He does have this sense of pressure of there is a play to be made because I know there's a play to be made. There's more space out there. I should make that play. And then when it doesn't happen or he wants it to happen, then it's, again, it's a self-imposed pressure because what was one of um, Campbell's coaching points to him earlier in the season, it's like, dude, relax and just smile. Like, have fun. And so I think a lot of what he does is he puts a a tremendous amount of pressure on himself to make those plays all the time, which – that's where that second interception comes from. Is trying to make a play when he shouldn't.
1: See, and I think that this could almost be it could almost be good for Brock mm-hmm. to have a game like this because yeah, it, it's like he feels like he has some the weight of the world on his shoulders that he has to be the one to get the job done, mm-hmm. you know. And in reality, those guys that Brock's trying to get the football to are a lot better with the ball in their hands. Than Brock yeah. is with the ball in his hands. And yeah. that, like, Brock is obviously very good with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather see the ball in the hands of Brees Hall, Deshante Jones, Tariq, Charlie Milton. Culler, Tariq Milton. Yeah. Tariq had one catch on Saturday. It was, a, and it was, it was a, a hell of a ball, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great throw and it was a great catch. Uh, LaMichael Petway, like, even Landon Akers, like, I want to mm-hmm. see the ball in their hands. I don't want to see the ball in Brock's hands, right? As, as the same way. But I know for a fact that this has been a conversation in Ames. Is to relax and have fun. Is, is that, and it's like, you don't got to do it yourself all the time, dude. Yeah. Like, it's okay to throw the ball out of bounds. Mm-hmm. It's okay to just, if you're, you know, you don't see anything, just take off and run. And if you just run for one yard, then fine, yeah. you know? But it's like, that has been... topic of conversation i know Mm -hmm. that it's like you don't have to do something we don't have to score a touchdown every single time that you snap the ball yeah as much as you might want to so like i said i think that he needed this moment where it's like see when you do this this is what can happen Mm -hmm. you need to adjust you need to be willing to change and see that if you don't change, you're going to put us in some bad situations, mm-hmm. and and that's why I think that mm-hmm. this will be a good at learning experience, a growing opportunity for him, and and really the future of the
0: program. I think so too. And and the other funny thing is, you know, if there is any fans that are I think despondent, which I don't think, after a, a lot of times after you know losses like this, a lot of times in seasons past, everyone's been like, well, shit, the season's gone. Yeah. Like, nope. It fine like Iowa State is still totally fine uh in theory Iowa State now controls its
1: own destiny to go to the big 12 championship game
0: I think there's only one situation that that's not true which is if Oklahoma wins out well well yeah that's
1: true that's but what I was gonna say if Iowa State wins out then they would
0: that's true then I was gonna say if Oklahoma beats Baylor and then Baylor wins out but then yeah I guess Oklahoma, then Iowa
1: State would play Baylor right
0: yeah so that would be a situation where yeah if Iowa State wins out then they would be in they're fine yeah um Obviously, there's probably mathematics that would be like if this happens to this and this and this. Well, I mean, because with tiebreakers and yeah. who lost to who and yeah. whatever, but um, still, yeah, if they win out, they're fine. It's yeah. just there, there now is more pressure on the Oklahoma game, where you can't afford to lose one in Norman and still make the Big Twelve title, but still, they're fine. And I think the the where you're talking about like you know, I, there, this isn't going to happen. This is good for the, for the future of the program. When was the last time there was a mistake made by this program? Kind of a systematic mistake, not like a, you know, a one interception or one fumble Mm -hmm. or something like that, where there was a systematic issue made by this team that was not immediately addressed and fixed. So like when, how many times have you seen a punt returner be aggressive towards a return other than just let's take the ball? Like after Iowa, which is a catastrophic event where those two, you know, obviously they hit each other. Didn't they try to return one against
1: Texas Tech? I think Tariq
0: did. But I mean, mean, but that was still a safe return. It was was a safe, responsible catch of a return. Like when in any type of doubt, they're just fair catching, giving back their offense. And how many points have they scored in the past three games, four games, five games since Mm -hmm. that happened? Other than Baylor, they've been unreal offensively. And so they just trust the fact that, hey, we're going to make an adjustment. Let's take that loss on that one specific play. Again, the, the special team's equivalent of throwing it out of bounds. And we're just going to get the ball back to our offense because a mistake happened. Right. It was earlier in the season. They made a coaching systematic mistake. I would call this a coaching systematic mistake, which again is going to be addressed going forward where they're going to forcibly make more of a deliberate attempt to run the ball in games down, now down the road that are going to matter. And this coaching staff, I mean, knock on wood, but it doesn't seem like any one of them really want to leave. I mean, shoot, Tom Manning went from the Colts back to Ames, mm-hmm. like he went from the NFL back to Ames, Iowa, yeah. to be a coordinator with Matt Campbell's staff. So as long as Matt Campbell is coaching, it seems like the staff is going to have continuity. Which means two, three years down the road, when you know they're game planning or they get into a, a rough game and you know whoever the next quarterback is after Brock Purdy's graduated and whatever, and they're in a game and you know they're playing TCU for the Big 12 championship or something and they get to the middle of the third quarter they can go back hey remember that 62 pass attempt game we need to run the ball again because yeah. it's a it's still going to be in their mind of making that mistake before
1: well and we saw on Saturday especially with this team coming up if you want to beat the crap out of them and you want to pressure them to be them if you say we're going to be more physical than you mm-hmm. try and try and stop us they they give in. Yeah. I mean, that's what Dan Orlovsky talked about the entire game uh, between uh, uh, Oklahoma and Kansas State on Saturday. was that he, he talked about how soft they looked on mm-hmm. defense, where they got punched in the mouth again, and they went back to being their same old... It's, I mean, you've talked about it. Mm-hmm. They went back to being the same old guys, yeah. where, where they start getting mad at each other, mm-hmm. and they start getting beat, mm-hmm. and they're like, man, you're the one messing up. You're the one messing yeah. up.
0: Yeah, things are good and, when they're good, but yeah. things are real bad when they're bad. And they, And they start to get beat you know Mm -hmm. and and kansas state was
1: able to beat them up they were able to beat them up pretty good and if it wasn't for the fact that cd lamb was is ridiculous and that offense is still remarkably good i mean they would have gotten buried in that game but uh my last point i gotta say and i tweeted this after the game on saturday late saturday night i wouldn't trade qb15 for anything because that kid at 19 years old is light years ahead of where a lot of Iowa State quarterbacks have been ever, in, ever. Mm-hmm. and he's light years ahead of where a lot of quarterbacks in college football are at, as a 19-year-old sophomore. The fact that he came in after throwing three interceptions in his last seven pass attempts, really hurting the team in, the, in a chance to be able to win the game. It obviously was not all his fault or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'm not trying to say that, but to come in and answer questions. That has not happened very often in the time that I've been covering Iowa State. You know that. Because mm-hmm, I first, was the one that firsthand got firsthand. I got
0: limped out there when people would make it. I was going to say,
1: and that's what we were talking about on Saturday night is that it was not that long ago that in games like that, where a lot of things could get put on the quarterback, always mm-hmm. oh, in treatment. Yeah. We're bringing Woody though. Yeah. And you'd played like seven snaps. Yeah. You know, and like those
0: are recovering from a sprain MCL or something like that.
1: And it's like, you're, you're trotted in to answer the questions about why the offense sucked. Yeah. And, and not the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And in this, this time that quarterback stood up there and every, when they asked him what happened on this interception, what happened on this interception, what happened on this interception, he gave thoughtful answers. It's not like he just stood there and went through the motions. Mm-hmm. That kid is the real deal. And, and I he's think, a special individual. And
0: I think it's also indicative of how the team is. And yeah. so, again, to, to talk about this from a culture standpoint of the coaching staff, the coaching staff has never had a coaching mistake. And John Haycock is the perfect example of this on defense, where if there's something wrong that's happening, who's been better at half-course, mid-course adjustments that continue... The next game, the next game, the next game. Right. Than John Haycock. So from a coaching staff, they hardly even go from quarter to quarter. Right. And so from the coaching staff point, they adjust and fix mistakes so well. But that culture trickles down. And in order to coach and fix mistakes like that, everyone has to trust and buy into something that you're doing. So a coaching staff, whether it's Campbell or Haycock or Manning or something saying, I want to do this, we need to do this. It goes, boom, everybody gets it done that then extends down into the players because I don't know if anybody else did. And I'm sure, I, I don't know if the camera panned there when they were actually on TV, but Purdy throws the interception. I think it was the first pick six. He comes to sideline. I mean, he, he tried to sort of chase the, the player down, but like understandably head and shoulders just boom slumped because that it, you know, what type of I've been there. Like I have been that guy, not an interception, but a fumble. I have been that guy. That is heartbreaking. And instantly, it wasn't one or two guys that were like, uh, you know, a pat on the head or a pat on the butt and like, hey, you'll get him next time and walked away. There was five, six, seven dudes that literally like grabbed his face mask, pulled it up, and had a conversation with him. There was two or three other guys that are around him being like, dude, you, you are fine. Like, we wouldn't even be in this position without you. Like, get your head up. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And there was, yeah, five or six or seven guys that were just having genuine conversations to pick up their teammate mm-hmm. not saying you know because a lot of times in situations like that people can be exasperated like Ugh, why did that have to happen now or even if it's you know they're not mad at the guy they go over and give him a pat on the head be like hey you're good man you're good and then just walk away this was a fully multiple guys coming around and being like no we're not gonna let you sulk you are our teammate you're our guy you are fine and then he goes after that and again answers the questions the post game he'll be okay there is, I don't have any question of how QB 15 is going to end up. I do again, hope that he just relaxes a little bit and uses this film. Like we were talking about before to just relax, play, have fun and know when something's done, like know when a play is dead, you know, get rid of it, get it out of bounds. Yeah. Throw it in some, throw it by the feet of somebody. And I I loved, I watched the Browns uh, Patriots game. And one of the things that Tony Romo said, um, which I love watching Tony Romo games because he has such good insight into the brain of a quarterback and like in the NFL offenses. Um, and Tom, there was a, a unblocked rusher off his face side. So off the right side of the offensive line. And so there's unblocked rusher. He took, the, like he looked downfield and see if there's anything there, shuffled two or three steps to his left and then buried one in the dirt about two, two full yards short of where anybody could even dive to it. But it was at, I think Edelman. And Tony Romo goes, wow, that was nice. And everyone was like, what are you even talking about? He just buried one in the dirt. And he was like that play. He saw pressure, felt pressure, didn't try and do anything excessively, made a safe throw away. That wasn't an intentional grounding. And they ended up scoring on that drive. So like, it's one of those things that, you know, that lesson's going to be learned. And that's maturity where how old's Brady? 41, 40, 41, like, mm-hmm. He's been playing football. Literally, is longer. He's been f- playing football in the NFL, literally longer than Brock Purdy's been alive. Yeah. So, if it, as he matures and goes through these through these instances, he's going to learn more of that, of be able to, you know, again, to use the examples of the greatest of all time. Your Peyton's man, Peyton Manning's, or Drew Breeses, your Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's, like the guys that when you watch them play, you never feel like they're out of control. And they're like, all right, he's fine. He's got it. Throw it out of bounds. Russell Wilson. It's the same thing. Like, so hopefully as he goes through, these are the lessons that he takes and moves on that you can still be competitive, but be smart while you're doing it and just get rid of the ball.
1: I wish I had Tony Romo's enthusiasm for life. That's so much. He's so much fun to listen to. He's so excited about everything. You can tell that, like, I feel like Tony makes, like, if he was in the drive-thru you know, he'd make the drive-through
0: just, person's day. Yeah, every yeah.
1: time it, when he'd see him in there making this coffee, he's like, oh, "Oh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah! Hey, that's a that's a great cup of coffee." Oh there. man, yeah. This, Thanks, per- Mark. Perfect foam levels. Oh my goodness. Thanks, Mark. Yeah.
0: Wow. Really good job. Yeah. But, Tell you what, that's a nice. That's a great cup of coffee there. You're welcome, Mr. Romo. <laughs> Oh,
1: man. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll talk about the Iowa State defense uh, from Saturday's loss to Oklahoma State and start to look ahead into the bye week when we come back on Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. All right. So I just did some math here. I, I mentioned... Uh, it's 216 yards of offense. Uh, 186 on yards of 52 plays.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than those three.
1: Other than those three. So about 4.1 yards per play. Yep. For Oklahoma State outside of three plays. Mm-hmm.
0: Four point not per rush per play. Per play. That's real good. 4.1 per play as a defense is real good, but you can't if ands, or buts and take away those big ones because that's what Oklahoma State does. Um, I do think of those three. The one that is the hardest to fix is the Tylen Wallace one, like that's the that's just the hardest to fix because like Tylen Wallace just oh yeah he he just punked dudes I, like I will say that I think that that was just Tylen Wallace
1: being that's just being, being a dude. ridiculous like yeah. and
0: if you know if Eisworth has a fully healthy shoulder maybe he gets them on the ground uh, and doesn't have it re you know re aggravate on yeah. that one play but this and then the second one like the the stiff armed Anthony Johnson I don't care if you're you know Rodney Harrison if you hit that stiff arm that way on that play you're not going to get brought down and then just the last one i don't remember maybe Lawrence White like the last guy to try and run him down he just beat him with speed yeah. like that was a, just a dude being a dude the other two bigger plays were i think misalignments on both of them cuz there wasn't really a missed tackle per se on the, the other two but i would include it in just general fun, general fundamental defense issues and so there's Three essentially. I think there was one missed tackle on the long pass, but I mean he basically. It was because he was yeah, out of position. I would say basically
1: once he got past his first level blockers, he was gone. Right. Uh, there was nobody getting him.
0: Yeah, because so yeah, twenty four was just he should have rotated over faster. Yeah. Um, but either way, like it was just those three plays, like and, and Oklahoma State is going to do what Oklahoma State's going to do, and so what the thing that I'll say about the defense and just generally as a team. So this is what my register article was about, which, uh, is they they, other games they have won in the margins. Like the last few games, they have won in the margins. So the fundamental big other team making a play moments haven't changed the outcome. So like West Virginia, Texas Tech, uh, Iowa State won in the in the margins. Meaning penalties, they themselves or they themselves didn't incur penalties. They themselves didn't turn the ball over again. West Virginia they did once, or Texas Tech they did once, but they also blocked well, fundamentally fit, run tackled. They did the unsexy things um, that make a, a game go. So like the the margins, and Coach Campbell uses that phrase a lot, is the stuff that you can directly control, which is again penalties, it is lining up correctly, it is tackling once you get there. It's blocking once you get there. It is not turning the ball over by making bad fundamental mistakes. It's doing the little things that you can that you can do. So when the other team does the things that they can do, which again, Chuba Hubbard, we knew that he was going to bust one. Yeah. There was no question. At some point, the leading rusher in the nation was going to run. or leading rusher in the nation and Canadian sprinting, sprinting national champion was going to run. Like, he was going to break one away. See, and
1: that's something I was going to say. Uh, so, Oklahoma State ended up with 153 yards rushing on 31 attempts.
0: And 65 of those came on so one so play. So, you
1: take away the 65 yards, they averaged 2.9 yards per carry. So, yeah. you, average, you held the nation's, one of the nation's best running backs
0: to about... Three yards per carry. Other yeah, again, other than that Outside one. Play. The one. Yeah. And so what again winning in the margins will do for you is if you don't get penalized, you're up by seventeen points. Or if you don't get if you don't turn the ball over, you're up by seventeen points or whatever. Like Texas Tech. Again, they turn the ball over once late, but for the most part, Iowa State played just a clean game against Texas Tech. And they were up by seventeen points that when Texas Tech started to make a run, or or uh, that you know Vasher makes a play or something like that. Like you, you can just tip your hat to him and be like, hey, good job guys. Mm-hmm. Like you're good players too. Your big plays can we can wash over them because you making just a terrific play doesn't matter. We're already uh, comfortably and up comfortably up uh, comfortably up enough, or that's enough space. Vasher makes this great play or whatever, or Wallace would make a great play and you tackle him on the ten and for, force him to a field goal because of fundamentals or something. They didn't win in the margins against Oklahoma State, which allowed those other bigger plays to be bigger differences because they didn't have a ton of penalties, but they came at really bad times. It was, you know, like the Micro's face mask. It, it's, it's, it stuff happens. Like that was a, he wasn't deliberately trying to. He couldn't have even released it really that quickly because he would have, in his mind, he's just pulling, he's trying to get the guy down. Yeah. It, it, that, hap- it, stuff happens. But again, it's a 15 yard penalty on a third down, which gave an automatic first down. There were, and there were other false starts that pushed them into first and 15 or second and 15 that they then had to come back over and try and readjust from. And it just didn't really necessarily work. So they lost in the margins, which didn't allow those, which made those big plays significantly more problematic. Um, we can get into like what I think the why of why the big plays happened. Cause I don't, I think that might be what people tune in for, but otherwise they played well for the most part. Accept those big plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean o- Oklahoma
1: State was only two of twelve on third down, mm-hmm. and the one, and obviously you mentioned the one, it was a on a penalty. So yeah. really, they were one for eleven. And one of those was Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, and, and yeah, and that was the long mm-hmm. run. Shout out to what the defense did to get that fourth down stop too, mm-hmm. to to put them in a position to get the ball back
0: again. Well, it's also ex- 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 especially impressive because in the run game, I think. That was to Zach Peterson's side, I think. I don't remember. I haven't watched that. I didn't get back to rewatching all the way in that play, but I think that was his side. But and that Chuba Hubbard play, Peterson got kind of punked on that one because they rushed up to the ball, uh, and there was his linebacker help was a little bit late to get there, um, and you can't make up angles against chuba Hubbard. That's why the dude is a leading rusher in the, in the nation. Right. You can't just make up an angle. So like th- they were a little bit too wide. I don't know, but Peterson kind of got punked on that one. Come back in the third and one, fourth and one, and that later is either he was getting penetration on the front side or on the back side. He was pushing everything back after having been punked earlier. um So yeah, I, I think just because, as I'm thinking of it, um yeah, the first play, the Tylen Wallace big touchdown like. Tip of your cap. Like, that's just one of those things, you know, dude's going to make a play if...
1: Got to be ready for that, though, because the guy in two weeks can do the same thing. CeeDee Lamb? He might even be able to do it better than what Tylen Wallace can.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if he can truck people like that, but... Well, he's,
1: <laughs> I don't think he even needs to truck him because they can't touch him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but either way, I mean, they, they experienced this as a good yeah. player, but, you know, Tylen Wallace, and, and even a CeeDee Lamb, like, he's, he's going to do it. Like, yeah. people did the same thing with Hakeem Butler. Like, there are times where, like, Hakeem Butler, you can get yours. Like... We're gonna plan on the fact that we're gonna double cover you, but if if we single cover you and he get beat, it happens. Well, like-
1: it's just like the play that Kansas State gave up on Saturday, where I mean, I think they were up nineteen at the time, but you give up the tunnel screen, where C.D. Lamb runs all the way across the field, breaks like four tackles, and takes it seventy yards on the first play of a drive, and you sit there and you're like. I don't know how much better we could have done that. Yeah, I don't. It, we had him bottled up. It's, uh, he's just good. Yeah, he's, he's just, just really good. He's really, really a freak. Good.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's, sometimes that's all you can do. And I, th- so they fit it correctly. It was just a dude beat another guy. Yeah. And then he just, by the time you're taking pursuit angles, Anthony Johnson busted his butt to get all the way across the field, to take that pursuit angle, and then stiff arm from hell yeah. and put him on the ground. And then just by the time, you know, again, whoever that was, just pursued. Like tip of the cap. First one, just going to happen. Good job. The second one um, was the, the, it was, Hubbard it was, was the, the third pass. one. yeah It was, it was the, the past one. That one, I think, was actually a mistake. Um, so there was no, it, if I am remembering this correctly, and I watched this one back at least a few times, um, they were three over three, meaning three defensive backs over three receivers to the Oklahoma State sideline. Um, and they, the, whoever the number three defensive player was, meaning the third guy from the outside, that guy was brought on pressure. So, like, he blitzed from that side, which if you're going to throw a screen, you want to throw a screen right into the blitz. And that that wide receiver little bubble screen is technically a screen. You're throwing to a guy with blockers in front of him away from where the normal positioning of a ball would be. So, they're throwing a screen into a blitz, which is the perfect call. Like, as soon as... Like, I know how... Like I've been on the other side of that, where, like, you call a screen play, and then you see the guy kind of inching forward into the blitz, and you're like, yes, 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 yes! And they finally... They run the blitz, and you run right through the teeth of it, and it's perfect. So, that step number one was, it was a perfect play call by Gundy. And I don't think it was an intentional, we know they're going to blitz here. They were just calling a play. And it just so happened that there was a blitz brought off the front side. Maybe they knew, maybe they didn't, but if you're going to bring pressure from the front side and you're already three over three math says you need to put, if you're subtracting one of your three, somebody else needs to get over there. And so if you're going to spin down that pressure, you need to rotate your guy. So, which I think, I think 11 was the one that blitzed and 24 was the one that needed to rotate over. I know 24 is the one they need to rotate over. So if they're going to bring pressure from that side, the the back in the middle of the field, the defensive back in the middle of the field needs to rotate towards that side to make up for the ground lost by the blitzer. Mm -hmm. So if there is a big play, because even let's say all of them just run vertical, like they just run goes. Well, there's three guys that are running goes with only two to cover them. So somebody is innately going to have to go over there in the first place. Even if it's not a bubble screen, that's just a bad look because that guy just has to get over there faster. Which means if that guy's leaving, then the other safety needs to come back and occupy the space that he should be at. So the whole defensive secondary has to adjust to where everybody's going to be. Well, 24 didn't rotate over soon enough, and I don't know if he didn't get the call, but who is normally playing that where number 24 is playing? Uh, it would be Greg Eisworth. Right? Greg Eisworth. Well, is that, I mean, is and that. Even if it wasn't Eisworth and they mixed the, mixed the plays, then the Eyesworth would have been, say, the pressure guy, and yeah. Lawrence White would have been. I was to say it, there. it depends on who they put at that star.
1: If it was White or Braxton Lewis or right, whoever, either one. It was one. Yeah. It'd be
0: one of Lewis, uh, Lewis White, White or Eisworth. Um, Azuna was also out there. Yeah. Um, it actually might have been four, 24 or four, either one. But yeah. it was one of those guys. It was Eisworth would have been that guy. Yeah. If he was in on the play and they didn't rotate over fast enough, they get the ball right out and then two guys, like I think two, was the, the corner to that side. Did his job, yeah. like. As the corner, it's, I need to fit this and force it back into help to my buddies. And then the into inside guy, whichever one that was, needs to fight over the top to to make sure that he's getting it tackled. And ideally, you play with outside leverage there uh, because then you can bump it back to your linebackers and make him do what C.D. Lamb did, just run all the way across the field if he is. But that didn't happen. He was playing a little bit outside, which not ideal, but not perfect. But you're just expecting a third guy to play over the top there because – if he rotated fast enough, then all of a sudden, you know, he gets that bubble screen, two gets contains him. He comes just, just inside of two. The inside guy kind of pushes him outside a little bit. He runs, but if there's a normal fill, then you have a guy pressing him to the sideline, and he's, you know, it's happened dozens of times this year, that exact play where, you know, you bump him out of bounds, seven-yard gain, whatever. But that rotation didn't happen. He was contacted about 10 just busted that tackle because it was a dive tackle. He was too late to rotate over. So it's just a misalignment. So I think that the, the adjustment that they had then was just being smarter with where their safeties were and less aggressive, I think, from the outside bringing pressure so they didn't have to rotate to get guys over there. And that's why like later in the game, those little tunnel screens, those little bubble screens didn't exist mm-hmm. because they were less aggressive with bringing pressure to force guys to have to rotate or they just rotated faster and they just started with guys on the other side. Because I don't think Spencer Sanders threw the ball down the field really uh, ever. No, I don't remember. It what. was the one play to the tight end or the middle, which yeah. was off run action. So, like, they didn't really do anything other than throw it quick little out passes. So, I think they just played the safeties wider. Um, so, that was just a miss, an alignment play, which, if Eisworth wasn't hurt on that first one, he's probably in on the second one. And then the, the Hubbard run was Peterson, I think, was supposed to come across another gap. But the tackle, I don't know who the tackle is, who the, the starting tackle is for Oklahoma State. Uh, he got, I think he got hurt later in the game. That dude's good. And so, like, was a, a hard hammering down on 55 and passed him off to the guard, but he was on his knees. Like, because the combination of the tackle to the guard hit Peterson so hard, he was literally one knee on the ground trying to fight off a guard, and <laughs> Hubbard ran right by him. And then, like I said, the, I think the, there may have been maybe only a foot or two misalignment by one of the linebackers on either side. And then the fastest dude in the conference just yeah. outruns everybody. So I think that was an alignment execution thing. The Hubbard one was a little bit more in my mind, forgivable because it's just, you know, a tackle. It's like the version of what Tylen Wallace did. Like that tackle and guard combination was a thing of beauty on Peterson. And if they're going to block it that well and not allow a guy, I mean, push a guy to his knees within one step, like shoot, like tip a cap, go for it. That second one was the biggest, I think, oopsies of the whole day. To round that whole conversation back, if they were to just execute in the margins and not turn the ball over three times and then just tackle, probably the first and the third one happen. That second one doesn't. All of a sudden, you're up by no three interceptions. You make your field goal. You're up by 10 before, before any of this is even necessary to throw 62 passes, and you're up by 10 before that. So win in the margins, just tackle and fit efficiently, and the rest of it's fine.
1: And make field goal.
0: Make a freaking field goal. Although props to Asali like that's that also does take some like mental gumption to get more or less benched for two games, miss a field goal in one of or miss an extra point in one of them, but then come back and he did hit two and all the extra points like props to to Connor Asali for coming back with that one. It just would have been nice to make that other field goal. Yeah, because
1: if he would have made that one in the first half, then it would have been 21-16 at halftime. Probably. Mm-hmm. And then you get the ball, and they went right down. And, well, I can I think that was when, on the interception, maybe. Yeah. After that. Because then it was 21-20 after Iowa State's first drive in the second half. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think that there's obviously – I don't know.
0: There's a lot of it, ifs and buts.
1: Yeah, it and it's not something that you can – like, that we have to sit here and be like, what a disaster this was, mm-hmm. you know. There's still
0: a lot out there for them. And, and they for, – yeah, for the most part, on – of the snaps on offense, defense, and special teams, Iowa State played better than Oklahoma State. Yeah. It's just on those seven snaps or whatever, big touchdown, big touchdown, big touchdown, interception, interception, interception. On those plays, Oklahoma State had more... Oklahoma State played better, and their better was better than Iowa State's better.
1: Well, and nothing about that game on Saturday makes me believe that any of these last four games are not winnable. Correct. I mean... You, I think you definitely can win in Norman. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be the toughest one of the four, obviously um, by far. Uh, you know that those guys are going to be ready to go after a bye week, after mm-hmm. what happened to them on Saturday and the Vampire's Lair. Even though the Vampire no longer lives there, we have the Vampire 2.0 and Chris Kleiman. Yep. Uh, and then I don't know what the deal is with Texas, but those guys are like in complete free fall mode. Yeah. After losing to TCU, now should have lost to Kansas. Uh, two weeks ago. And then... Uh, at K-State will be tough. At K-State will be tough.
0: But it's still... It's Kansas, a rivalry game.
1: Man, and Kansas shouldn't have won on Saturday, but somehow
0: they still did too. So I told you they were going to, though. I didn't believe... Well, they had they had to come back. They had to come back too. I was...
1: What was that guy doing on the last field goal?
0: I was watching Or the it. second to last one. I was watching the game and I was just like, what is happening? I
1: pulled it up on my phone. I was at a friend's house and I I pulled it up. Cause I saw that it was 34, 34. I was just going to see what was going on. they were literally lining up for the kick, uh, the first one. And I was like, oh, he's going to, he's going to miss it. Like I could just, I had you a feeling. Feel yeah. I was like, he's going to miss this. And they came around so easy. Like that dude was basically there to block the kick before it was hardly <laughs> even
0: on the ground. It's like the center just more or less like walked it and just like, here, you can just, you can take this. I don't want it.
1: Well, and it was like the guy ran around and then he like stood there and it's like, he has his hands up. He's like, oh, what do oh, I do? Oh, oh, kick, kick, kick it. What do I do? Kick it, Uh, and he blocked it. But that guy picked it up, and it was like you can see what he was trying to do, but at the same time you're kind of just like, "Yo, dude! Like, if you don't think you're gonna score, just fall down." (laughs) We're not trying to get into the what is it from the longest yard, the backyard or schoolyard, uh, like schoolyard bullshit or whatever it's called. Yeah,
0: that's what he was trying to do
1: to win the game in Lawrence, Kansas. He's
0: Kansas Tech. That was just. That was just a whole lot of bad football. Yeah. Let's say this: it was below average. It wasn't bad. It was just below average, which is better than what Kansas
1: has been doing in the past. And yet the Mad Hatter comes away with his first Big 12 win as a as a Kansas Jayhawk.
0: They're Kansas Big 12 champs next year.
1: Okay. Well, let's not let's not get carried no. away.
0: Yeah. Um. No, but yeah. For looking at the rest of the schedule. I think there is an mo on scoring against Oklahoma, yeah, and it's punching them square in the teeth, which can happen through the passing game. It doesn't mean it doesn't. So like, you're you're you can get chunk plays, but it's more effective Just beat them up to beat them up, like to body blow them. And once they get tired, then they start tired and slash ineffective. That's when they become blame gamey. They what? they it, it, again, you can take. You can teach a dog, you teach an old dog new tricks, but you can't get rid of all of its mannerisms. Like they are, that's probably what's going on with Texas too. Like you can, you can introduce success, but as soon as a little bit of failure comes in, like your character gets revealed. And with Texas, I would guarantee that that locker room's not content. Mm-hmm. Like that locker room's not all kumbaya unhappy and you know, what? we're going to be fine. I would say Iowa States probably is, is we're going to be Okay. But Texas is going to be like, because they're doing poorly, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? In Oklahoma, when things are going well, it's like, man, we got this. We know what we're doing. But then when things are going poorly, like you were saying, like there's a your fault mentality of why were you doing this? You need to pick it up rather than let's do this. And so if you punch them right in the face, you start getting, the, getting those excuses made. Um, I don't really know if there's a way to stop, stop Oklahoma's offense, but you can slow it down. Yeah. Texas showed how to do that. But if you're... This this game in Norman, is it's not near as frightening as most Norman trips are. Right. And then, yeah, the rest of the season, you get past Norman. Obviously, you can't overlook Texas because they're still talented. They still have Sam Ellinger. Kansas... I, Kansas State is a tough enough game like down there. But if you're playing for something of significance, then at that point, a win gets us into wherever, then that ratchets up whatever it is. So... God, I just... Oh my goodness! You
1: what? Oh man, going to the, going down there, dude. Just, just scares me. It scares me. And I have to do the Colin show. Oh boy, <laughs> man, you're gonna have fun. Yeah, because Chris will be like in the Bahamas, won't he? Mm-hmm. Isn't that when that'll be? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta do the Colin show. Man, it's you need to stop doing it for that game.
0: It's the only time that ever, it's the only time that ever get asked to do it. dude. I, remember and I tried to, I tried to get, say no, but Chris was like, literally, I couldn't find anybody else that would do it. And I was like, fine. I remember but, if, but if, because the last couple times that I've done it again, it's been the two most absurd losses in Iowa state history or recent Iowa state history. And I was like, if this were to happen again, it is your fault. You asked me to do this. I told you, no, you asked me, you said, Hey, we need to do it. I'm blaming if any crazy hijinks happens, it's William's fault.
1: That's fair. More often than not, it is. I'm
0: indemnifying myself from the crazy crap that goes on in Manhattan, and it'd be William's fault for asking me to do it.
1: I just remember trying to do the instant reaction podcast after that game, and sitting in. The, qu- uh, which, which which
0: the, 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 the should have kneeled it game or the P. no, I, game, I wasn't the at the should have it
1: game, I wasn't at that one. The fantastic interference I? one, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was sitting in a back corner of the press box at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and I'm just like in complete disbelief.
0: What just happened? Yeah,
1: it's it was just complete frustration. It's like this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever experienced in my entire life of watching sports was this game. This was a Absolute abomination.
0: Yep. And I had to listen to people justifiably mad. And like they're everything about the officiating. I'm like, look, I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about the officiating. They're like, we're mad at you, Jeff Woody. I'm sorry. I did not make that pass interference call. I should have buzzed down to my buddy on the field. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to- toss that flag there.
1: All right, dude. We'll uh, enjoy your bye week. I'll uh, see you next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about.
0: Oklahoma. Figure out something. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully Baylor loses. We can talk about that. That would be nice. Who do they play? I don't know. Is it Baylor, Texas? Maybe.
1: I don't know. All right. We will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks to everybody for tuning in on the podcast network as well as on Facebook Live. And everybody have a great rest of your week. Peace.